We're talking about all things new. And I define the word new as N-O-W. The moment is not now. It's not new. Bonnie and I have been married for 46 years. And all things are new. Why? Because we say, here I am. And today is the day that we live. We can never return to a first experience. But we can always return to our first love. If we don't return to our first love, then we try to repeat experiences of the past. And first experiences become second experiences. And then third experiences. And then fourth and fifth and thousand and tens of thousands. And after a while, experiences become old. It's the same way in our relationship with Christ. Fifty years ago, I invited Jesus into my life. I was a young man looking for love in all the wrong places. But Jesus got a hold of my heart. He captured my heart. And I said, here I am. And I invited him to come into my life. And the day became today. And that day freed me from all the days of the past. And it unlocked the future for every day to come. Now that I'm 50 years old in Christ, I have to discover the secrets of all things becoming new. Or what will happen is I'll substitute a personal relationship with Jesus for some form of dead religion. Okay? Uh, religion can be okay if, as long as religion is taking care of needy people. Uh, James said good religion is to take care of widows and orphans. Don't act like the world. That's good religion. But you know, good religion won't transform your life. Good religion is what you do when your life is transformed. Do things like take care of widows, take care of orphans. Don't act like you did when you were in the world. <laughs> Don't be a taker, be a giver. So good religion is that, but it comes from a personal relationship with God in your heart. Last night, we talked about a heavenly Jerusalem, a city that God builds that comes into our midst. And we went into Revelation 21, and we talked about how there is a city in the future. There's a destined point in our life that we're journeying toward. Heaven is a very great reality for us. And so there is a completed destination. But our relationship with God is more than a destination. It's a journey. It's a destiny. Bonnie and I and our relationship with our three children and our five grandchildren and who knows what the future holds. But our journey is a journey of destiny. And there are destinations. We don't live for destinations. We live for destiny. We live for the journey. Sometimes we say, God, bring us revival. Bring us revival. We need revival in the Kootenays. We need revival in this church. Oh, God, bring us revival. You know, if I acted like that with my wife, my wife might get tired of me after a while. If I say, oh, God, bring revival into our marriage. Bring revival. God, bring revival into our marriage. It's my responsibility to live in a place that brings revival into our marriage. Now, now revival could be called wonderful experiences. You know, visit the Kootenays, beautiful place. Great place to take a vacation. Looks like. It's fantastic. As long as you don't live here, it's a great place, right? <laughs> That's of any place. Any place is like that. Where you live, you face the challenges of living there. But when you visit a place that you don't live, you see all the things that people don't see that live there. So you enjoy the beauty. You enjoy the experiences. 
And vacations are like that. They're revival moments in our life. So we need some vacation moments in our relationship with God. But we don't live for vacation moments. We live for God. We live for one another. And so I believe that there is a destination of a new heaven and a new earth. But I also believe that I'm on a destiny journey where the administration of my life, heaven in my life, is not the same as it was before I came to Christ. My administration used to be my own human conscience. And I defined my world by what I felt was right or I felt was wrong. But then Jesus came into my life. And the Holy Spirit started administrating my life. He started changing my desires. He started changing my way of thinking. He started changing my emotions, my imagination. He started changing me from the inside out. And it administrates my life differently. My family looks different than my family would look if Christ was not in it. And so I, in essence, am a new earth, a new person, a new creation with a new heaven, a new administration. There is a destination, but I'm on the journey and I'm enjoying the journey of destiny. So this morning, in light of this heavenly city, this vision of peace, Jerusalem, this vision of peace, this vision of connection with God, this knowing, this reality of being loved by God, as it increases in my life, something comes out of heaven into my life, and it constantly changes me in a really good way. It empowers me to be as I was intended to be. My Father in heaven, your Father in heaven, does not need anything from us. He did not need us to come here today and to worship Him. Hmm. We needed to worship Him. He did not need us to come and give offerings. No, we needed to give offerings. He did not need us to gather together and be together with one another. No, we needed to do that. He did not need us to read our Bibles. We needed to read our Bibles. Now, why do we need these things? We need these things because when we give, when we worship, when we connect, when we seek to find, we take on the nature of God. God is a giver. Our Father is a giver. Gods in the world, which are not really gods at all, but they're in our thinking. That's a God. That's a God. That's a God. Well, power is a God. Ministries a God. Teachings a God. All these things that we think we need. And they become takers in our lives. They become things that we, we sacrifice to. We sacrifice to. You know, our Father didn't require us to sacrifice anything to Him. He made the sacrifice for us. Wow. Think about that. Our Father made the sacrifice. <laughs> he made the sacrifice because the sacrifice was not uh, uh, based on a, on a need. It was based on a passion. It was based on a love. He knew us before we knew Him. He saw us for who we are before we see Him for who He is. And He wants us to have a vision of connection, 
a vision of peace with him. So Jerusalem, the city that comes out of heaven, not someplace in the Middle East, but something that comes right now here into the Kootenays. A vision of peace, being connected to God that comes into our lives and changes us. He makes all things new. We saw last night that in Revelation 21, that he says he, he makes all things new and old things pass away. Old things pass away. Someday, you know, my 68th year of passage, someday, old things are going to pass away. I don't know when that is. Could be. We don't know when our days are finished and we pass away. But the good news is, in Christ, everything that passes away is birthed in something new. So, I'm not going to die. You're not going to die. You're going to see something pass away, but you're going to see something greater glory come into your life. You rise from the dead. You receive a new expression. You receive a new body. That's the promise in Christ. He is the one who says, I've come to give you resurrection life. I've come to give you eternal life. Eternal life doesn't start when you die. Jesus said in John 17 that eternal life is to know God the Father and Jesus the Son. So the more you know him, the more you have eternal life. Think about that. Something comes to kill you. Okay, I'm okay. Why? I have, I don't just have life, I have eternal life. I've got, it never ends life. I've got eternal life. I'm not hoping to have eternal life. I have eternal life. How do I know I have eternal life? My relationship with Father God who gives life. My relationship with Jesus the Son who gives life. He always gives life. Holy Spirit always gives life. So because of our connection through Holy Spirit, our connection to God through Jesus Christ, we have a vision of peace. There's no gap between us and God. So we can expect all things to pass away and behold, all things become new. Now, I'm going to give you, just quickly, I'm going to give you seven attributes of a community of Christ where all things are new. Seven attributes where you as a person can know all things new. Seven characteristics of a community that knows all things new. The first one is, you're sanctified spirit, soul, and body, and you're moving into the neighborhood. <laughs> you are made spirit, soul, and body. We talked about that Friday night. You're like a tree. Your roots are connected into the water, and inside of you, there's an inner core, which is like your soul. Your trunk, your limbs, your branches is like the life that you can see, your physical life. But your physical life is supposed to see a miracle happen. It's supposed to see leaves. It's supposed to see fruit come on. Now, leaves are not for the tree. Leaves are blessings for the world of the tree. Leaves provide places of blessing for animals. Leaves provide shade from the heat. Leaves provide medicine. They provide healing. Well, fruit provides food. So the tree is a giver. It gives life to its world. As human beings, we're connected to Holy Spirit. 
We're planted in a relationship with God. That connection then causes our internal spirit to flood our whole being. Our soul is not our brain. Your brain is a biological instrument that serves your soul. But your soul is the inner core of you. Like the tree, if we cut it down, we see the annual rings. We see, oh, look, it grew, oh, it grew, oh, it grew more, oh, it grew more. But then we can see, we can, we can study those rings at various places in that tree, and we recognize that there were circumstances in the life of this tree that were probably traumatic. There are some fat rings. Oh, there were a lot of floods that year. Some skinny rings. Oh, it was very dry that year. We might see an indentation. Oh, an automobile crashed into you here. See, your soul is the part of you that facilitates your thoughts, your reasoning, your imagination, your emotions, your desires. Not your brain. Your brain serves that. But there's an inner core of you that is meant to cause the outer expression of you to be a giver. Now, the enemy whether it be the devil, a devil, Satan or a Satan, whether it be a destroyer, the destroyer or a destroyer, a liar or the liar, it doesn't matter what the enemy is or who the enemy is, the enemy seeks to take circumstances of your life and traumatize your soul. The experiences from the outside in affect the inner core of you. And the inner core of you is the health of you. John, in his third letter, little page letter he wrote, the last one that he wrote, he said, Beloved, my loved ones, I pray that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. I want you to prosper and be in health as your inner core prospers. See, if your inner core doesn't prosper, then you won't be a giver on your limbs or your branches. You won't give out any healing. You won't give out any nesting place for animals. You won't give out any shade from the heat. You won't give out any fruit to eat. You won't give out something that fulfills your purpose in this world. So you need to have a prosperous soul. Now, the secret to the prosperous soul is your spirit connected to Holy Spirit. Huh. God speaks to every one of us in this room. Every one of us hears God in this room. But none of us hear God really very clearly. We hear the words, but they sound like wah, 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 wah in the midst of all the other things that we hear. Every human being, every human being hears God. But many human beings don't even know it's God. So they twist it, they pervert it, they turn it into something else, and they turn it into a created voice instead of the creator voice. And they misunderstand, they misinterpret what God is saying. They misunderstand what God is saying. Now, hearing God is simply God's spirit speaking to your spirit. 
God does not speak to your soul. That's why he says, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear. We think that says, he who has an ear to ear, hear, strive, struggle, wrestle, fast, pray, be miserable, wrestle, struggle, seek, read, 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 oh, work, work to hear something. That will make you become a human doing, but it won't empower you to be a human being. It will make you religious, but it won't make you fun to be around. See, you understand when you hear God, people will like to be around you. Why? The fruit of hearing God is you become a giver of life to your world. Now, in this reality of all things being new, I can't be old in any moment and say I'm hearing God. I could only say I heard God. If it's, if it's not new, then I have to say I heard God. I heard God. That leads to a covenant called remember when. Do you remember when God... We'll take it with my wife and I. Honey, do you remember when we used to have a lot of fun together? Do you remember when? Do you remember when we when we, we got married? You know, back when it was easy. Do you remember when? Do you remember when you used to really love me? See, remember when relationships lead to when are you going to hopes and dreams. And that's called you are D-E-A-D, -E dead. That's not life. Life would be, I don't need to remember, I heard you again today, huh? So I don't want to remember when relationship with God. I want all things to become new. So some things are going to have to pass. Some things are going to be new. So I'm sanctified. You're sanctified. I'm sanctified. Spirit, soul, and body, and I'm moving into the neighborhood. That means I'm moving into my world. Jesus said this in Matthew 5, verse 13. He said, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It's then good for nothing but to be thrown out, trampled underfoot. You are the salt of the Kootenays. Okay. If you eat food, there's, a, there's a, uh, a saying in certain Asian cultures, actually Arabic cultures, a pretty powerful statement. They would say, you would come to the table and you'd say, there's one salt at this table. It's an idiom. There's one salt at this table. That means what is at this table, the covenant at this table is what causes all of the food to taste great. There's one salt at this table. Jesus is the salt. Holy Spirit is the, is the salt that makes us become salt. Salt brings out the flavor. Salt seasons. Salt preserves. Salt purifies. Salt is hope. Salt is cleansing. Salt is even healing. So the Kootenays need some salt. Would you say the Kootenays need some salt? 
Now, we could pray for revival to come to the Kootenays. We could pray and condemn the sinners of the Kootenays, or we could just say we've all been disconnected at some point in life, and we're all still a bit disconnected in a lot of areas. So maybe what we should do is just get our light on. Maybe what we should do is we should say, I'm going to be, I, I realize I'm sanctified. I'm set apart spirit, soul, and body. I love who I am. I'm spirit of Ted. I'm the soul of Ted. And this is my life. And what's coming off of me is fruit and leaves to bring life to my world. But I have to move into my world for that to happen. See, Monty and I, we're in that area where the, the, the number's rolling into the seven, you know. It still has a zero kind of decade on it, but we're moving a little higher. So that means what we have to do is we have to move into that world and we have to bring life into our world. Whatever you do, don't die dead. Don't die in yesterday. It's okay to die at some point because you're not going to die, but make sure it's today when you do it. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? So move into the neighborhood. Jesus said in Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Move into your neighborhood and submerge them into my identity, the identity of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Teach them as I taught you by the way I'm with you. I'm manifestly with you all the way, but make sure you move into your world. In John 17, if you read that chapter, you'll find that Jesus told his disciples at the end of his life, he says, I finished the work the Father sent me to do. What I did is I revealed the Father to those that the Father gave to me. He says in John 17, I didn't pray for the world. Father, I did not pray for the world. I prayed for those that you gave me. And I didn't lose any of them except for the one I was supposed to. In the same way that you sent me, Father, I'm sending them. Do you think the way that the disciples were sent is a good way? Maybe we should be sent the same way? When we, uh, when we pray for the world and we fail to pray for our world, we fail to move into the neighborhood. A lot of monasteries were created to pray for the world. And there's a whole lot of monasteries that I've seen in many countries that I go to that are isolated, lonely places on mountaintops that nobody goes to except for some old tourist attraction. Why? Because people went there to pray for the world and they failed to pray for their world. So if I want my days to be new, all things to be new, I've got to take responsibility. I'm spirit, soul, and body. I'm moving into my neighborhood. I am salt. I am light. I'm going to pray for those that God has given me. Yeah? Okay. Keeping things new, let me give you a second point. Because Christ's influence is coming into our life, we are also the light and the evidence of light. Matthew uh, chapter 5, Jesus said this in verses 14 and 15. He says, you are the light of the world. You're not just the salt. 
You're the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden. They don't put a lamp, a light, they don't light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And then it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works. They may see you're a giver. And they'll glorify your Father in heaven, who's a giver. So, your light. I like what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5 concerning light. It's a chapter that talks about walking in light or walking in darkness. I could get my computer. There it is. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Now, I like how the the New King James reads it this way, for the fruit of the Spirit is in goodness, righteousness, and truth. Some translations read it this way, for the fruit of false, the fruit of light, is goodness, righteousness, and truth. I like the, the version that says the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, because I don't always know what's good. I know you do, but I don't. I don't always know what's righteous. And I don't always know what's true. I'm 50 years old in Christ and I don't always know what's good. I don't always know what's righteous and I don't always know what's true. I can read the words and I still don't know what's true. So I like the test. The test is this. The fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Which means if I am light, then what's going to manifest from me is love, Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are all fruits. None of those are works of the flesh. Those are all fruit. Self-control is a fruit. Whoa, my goodness. No wonder it doesn't work when you try to make it a work. (laughs) It's a fruit. So if I am light, then the fruit of the Spirit is going to be there. So, hey, Ted, pay attention. If you are manifesting something that's not the fruit in this moment in the day, you need to remember who you are, sir. Don't remember who you are. You are the light of the world. So connect to the light. Walk as children of the light. He's the father of lights. He delights in his children. So if I'm going to keep things new, I've got to move into the neighborhood, be salt. But then I also have to be light to the world. And how do I know? The fruit of the Spirit's there. If the fruit's not there, connect your roots to Holy Spirit. Okay, then the other thing is your gates in your life. We're talking about you being the community of God. God is new in your life. Behold, he makes all things new. you got a vision of peace. It says in Revelation 21 that the gates of the city are pearl. Okay, now, what's the purpose of gates in a city in in the context of when they used to put walls around cities and there was a gate? What's the purpose of the gate? Anybody want to shout out? What do you think? It's an in and out, okay? It's an in and out. In the kingdom of God, it's an in. It's an entrance. It's a way to get into the city. So God wants people to get into the community that you are a part of. 
And I'm not just talking about Junction Church. I'm talking about seven days a week, 24 hours a day, being a communion, come to union with Holy Spirit, a community, come to unity with Holy Spirit, a communion, a community with one another, a come to union, a connection to be that. God wants everybody to be that. But then you have to know that your gates are pearl. Okay, um, I, we had a, two of our children used to live in our son and his wife and our daughter. They lived in Hawaii for a number of years. And so we made a few trips to Hawaii. And in Hawaii, if you go there, you know, you can buy those oysters where you find the pearls. Do you know the secret how to get an oyster with the pearls in it? You pick the ugly oyster. Always pick the ugliest oyster and you're probably going to find a pearl. Why? Pearls are the result of an injury in an oyster. And when the oyster is injured in its tender place, it, it excretes a mineral and an enzyme that creates this pearl. Now, we use those pearls as a testimony of endearment, a love, a tender love, a love that heals, a love that appreciates, a love that 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 acknowledges how tender you are. See, pearls are not very durable. But they're very precious. And they're very beautiful. The worst things in your life create the most wonderful testimonies of your father's love. If you want things to be new, you have to realize that the woundings of your life are the very things that are going to be the doors that others can see and get into the community. So I'm going to say, your testimonies are of great value. So be open with your testimonies. If you want all things to be new, move into the neighborhood. Be salt. You preserve. You bring life. Be light. You know your light because fruit of the Spirit is manifested. And also be open with your testimonies. Don't be open with your wounds. See, the oyster is not open with its wounds. It's open with the testimony that comes out from the wound. If you're open with your wounds, you'll attract wounded people. If you're open with your testimonies, you'll heal wounded people. That means you're vulnerable about your weaknesses. But you're wonderfully open about how God's love has moved into your heart and healed. So be open with your testimonies. It says that the city, the street is gold. The street is gold in the city. Now, I'm sure maybe in heaven that's what it is. Is it gold? But you know, what is that gold? Is it the yellow brick road that leads to Oz? Or is it a testimony of the character of God in your life? I'm 68 this year. I got there because last year I was 67. <laughs> and 10 years ago, that would have been 57. Yeah. And so long time ago, it was a seven. <laughs> so all of those years led on a journey called a street to today. 
And the street to today is built on a testimony of the faithfulness of God, the character of God. Let God be faithful and let your heart be transformed to become faithful. Understand that your life is a street. It's not a stuck. You can't get to, I can't, I'll never get to 75 if I'm stuck. But if I'm part of a street, I'll get there. It, the street is gold. It's the character of God, the faithfulness, that the genuineness of your faith might prove to be as gold. That's the nature of God. God's very faithful. He never gives up on you. He's faithful. So be true to the character of God. Be a giver of life. This is the authority of life, to be faithful. God gives life. A fifth thing. See, we're getting right on through these seven things. A fifth thing is concerning being new. You have to wear the reflections of the Father's heart because you know how to endure the pressures that oppose his character within you. In Romans chapter 5, do you like the grace of God? You like the grace of God? Anybody like the grace of God? I like the grace of God. It's kind of a trick question, but I mean, <laughs> you're reluctant, you're afraid. I don't know if I want to raise my hand. Do I like the grace of God? It, anytime a preacher does that, you know it's a setup, right? And so, so it says in Romans chapter 5, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that's good. I'm great with that. We're justified by faith. We have peace with, with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That sounds like good news. Doesn't that sound like good news? That means there's no gap between us and God. By the way, sin never created a problem for God. It created a problem for us. Sin never stopped God from seeing you for who you really are. He always saw you as a son or a daughter. Sin stopped you from seeing who he is, so you would interpreted something different than a father. You interpreted he's a taker. He's, he's mean. He's not kind. He doesn't care. See, all those are misinterpretations because of a disconnect that prevented you from seeing who he really is. And so you called him by what he is, not by who he is. I told those of you that have been here the last couple of nights, I mentioned that God is what he is, but Father is who he is. Just like when I was younger, I used to be a general contractor. When I would come home, my children would never say, Oh, great contractor. Oh, the contractor's home. Oh, great builder. We love you so much. Can I sit in your lap, oh, great contractor? No, they call me daddy, dad, you know, because they, that's who I am. I'm their dad. What I did didn't change who I am. Now, God does God stuff, but that's not who he is. That's just what he does. <laughs> so I'm glad he can do God stuff, but I don't love him because he does God stuff. I don't love him because he can build houses. <laughs> 
He can make trees. Oh, love you, oh great tree maker. Oh, great tree maker. You're so awesome. Thank you. You make trees. That's nice. He can do that. But I don't love him because he makes trees. I love him because I'm even better than the tree. I'm, I'm born of God. He's my father. Okay. So sin stopped us from seeing who God is. But he never stopped God from seeing us who we are. A number of years ago, I was doing a prophetic activation, and I was telling the group I was training, and I said, let's listen to God, and let's just take a moment and let God show you something that you didn't see somewhere in your life that he saw that you didn't see. Let it be anything, something about you, something you didn't realize. Just let him show you and give you a word, a thought, a picture. Just take a moment and just let him show you. And so I did it myself. And, I, and I, when I was 13 years old, my father fell off a very tall barn onto a hard oak floor and broke 22 bones. He was 58 years old. That was the last time he ever walked without crutches. He walked on crutches until he was almost 91 when he died. But that was a day that changed life forever. It also changed my life forever because I was 13. We were dairy farmers. And my father couldn't be a farmer anymore, which meant 13-year-old boy just grew up. Okay? So we, I ended up being a farmer with my brother. And through high school, I ended up running away from God because I was not happy. So I would do farming, and then I would do, I would do farming, I would do drinking, I would do drugging, farming, drinking, drugging, farming, drinking, drugging. It's a lot of ings. It's a lot of ings. <laughs> And I wasn't happy. And I remember when I was 15 years old, and I'm, God is showing me, my point is, God knew us before we knew him. He never stopped. Sin didn't stop him from seeing who I am. And I, he shows me a picture of me standing on this bridge over a river in the flooded spring, which was a true moment in my life. 15 years old, I'm standing on the edge of the bridge, and I'm thinking about jumping in. I'm thinking, end my life. Only this time, he shows me standing there, and then the picture turns around, and now it's looking from the river toward me. And you know who's on the bridge? Jesus was on the bridge. And I see him behind me on the bridge. And he says to me, before you believed in me, I believed in you. I'm just saying that to say, tell you, your sin never stopped him from seeing who you are. Okay, so let's remember that for everybody. So, in Romans 5, the good news is we're reconnected to him. Verse 2, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. We stand in grace. Are we happy so far? <laughs> We've been connected to God. We're standing in grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. Whoa. 
Oh my goodness, what? You mean there is trouble, pressure, perseverance? By the word, by the way, that word perseverance in the Greek always has a connection to cheerful endurance. It's never endurance. It's always a cheerful endurance. We stand in grace where we suffer and we cheerfully endure. Why? When we cheerfully endure in the pressure, see, see the pressure doesn't come to destroy you. The pressure comes to manifest you. And what manifests? Character. What character? You didn't know it. Christ is in you. That's the character that's manifesting. Don't be discouraged. His grace is his manifest presence in your life that changes you. And then you see hope, glory. And then that leads to a whole other level. But my point is, if you want things to be new, You've got to know and endure the pressures to manifest the character of your father. Okay, number six. Um, let me just read one thing to you on the character. Because if, if you went to Revelation 21 and you saw the, 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 the city of God, it talks about all these precious stones that are in the city. Those stones are re reflectors, refractors of the character of God. I did a little study a long time ago, and uh, it's hard to tell what the tribes of Israel, what their names mean, because there's like 50 different opinions on what they mean. But in my research, uh, I'm going to present what I think that all of the stones in Revelation 21 could reveal if I take the names of the tribes that I believe these stones represent and I translate them in English. Okay? So first of all, I'll read it to you in not English and then I'll read it to you in English. Okay, so the city, the foundations of the city, the foundations of your life could represent the tribes of Naphtali, Simeon, Manasseh, Reuben, Asher, Judah, Zebulun, Gad, Issachar, Levi, Ephraim, which was the born again of Joseph, the, the fruitful grandson, and Benjamin. Okay, so now that was all wah, 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 right? So when presented in their order, they imply that in the foundation of your life, in the foundation of any expression of the city of God, is this testimony. Has wrestled to wrestle no more. Hears God and responds, knows his forgiveness and the past is forgotten, is seen as a son, is fortunate and happy, has become a testimony of praise, dwells with God, is joined to others in God, is rewarded by God by seeing what God sees, and is one with God, is fruitful in God, is a testimony of his inheritance through his hand. Of resurrection life. I think that's a pretty good testimony. If that's the foundation of Christ in my life. To have all things new. Number six. From your heart is going to need to flow. A river of life giving water. A river is going to have to flow from your heart. For all things to be new. 
Revelation 22, verses 1 through 5, I looked and beheld, and from the throne, from the temple, from the right-hand side, flows a river as clear as crystal. John 7, verse 37, Jesus said, ah, Anybody thirsty? Let them come to me and drink, and from inside of you will flow rivers of living water, life-giving water. Revelation 22 says this water flows out, and it flows through the tree of life as a street. It's a river that flows as a street through the tree of life. To the right, it goes through the tree of life. To the left, it goes through the tree of life. And then on the other side of this tree of life, there's many trees planted that are like the tree of life. And the leaves of those trees are for the healing of the nations, meaning the nations are sick and need to be healed. And the fruit of those trees is for the feeding of the nations, meaning they're hungry. They can't find any satisfaction without God. Meaning it's not something in the future, it's something that's constantly happening. So if I want things to be new, I've got to know there's a river flowing out of me. There's a river flowing out of you. And it passes through the tree of life. Okay? Rivers sometimes look like the words you speak. Rivers sometimes look like the, the dreams you have, the visions you see, the things you do. But before those things you do, those things you say, those things you see, those things you dream, before they get to the place where nations are healed and hungry are fed, they have to pass through the tree of life. Which means every word you say has to be a word that gives life. Every dream you have, have has to be a, a dream that gives life to your world. Every action that you do has to be an action that gives life. That's the testimony of a life-giving river. So if I want things to be new, it all has to pass through life. You want to know what the alternative is? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Well, they really treated me bad. They treated me bad. They treated me bad. They were wrong. They were terrible. Well, that was terrible. How much of your day are you going to waste with that kind of thinking? Because that kind of thinking is going to make you not someone who has leaves that heal, not someone who has fruit that feeds. You're going to be, every thought is going to be going through the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, not the tree of life. Do you hear what I'm saying? If I want things to be new, everything has to be a river of life that passes through the tree of life. Number seven, and finally, number seven. Concerning to be a community of God, as described as a city of God, a son of God, a daughter of God. The tattoos upon your body testify to where you have been, but have come through. So there's no marks on your body that give you your identity. I know some of you got tattoos. I love a generation that's getting lots of tattoos. It, what it is, it's a prophetic statement to say, we want our identity. Okay. Now, truth is, Jesus has tattoos. But did you know that Jesus didn't get a single one of his tattoos to get an identity? 
every tattoo that Jesus has, he he proudly wears. Maybe you not like the word proudly, but he he boldly wears because it's a testimony of you. <laughs> it gives identity to you. So the things that you've been through, and I'm not talking about physical tattoos. I'm talking about the marks in your life. I'm talking about the barnacles. When I started getting a little older, I told my doctor, I got this problem. I got a, a lump back here. I got some things going on. You know what he said? He said, oh, those are barnacles. That's what he said, barnacles. He said, they're barnacles. 